Hey guys, welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Uh, this is your host, Brendan Lemon. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different. I, uh, some of, no, nobody listening will remember, but when this podcast first started, it was basically like a Bill Burr Monday morning podcast type situation. I basically ranted and just tried to sort of use this as a situation to get new material from mostly. That was basically what I tried to do. And um, it moved away from that. I started interviewing a lot of people. I used this as an excuse sort of to hang out and get to know and talk with people who I see kind of regularly and consider my friends but never really have the time to actually catch up with and uh, and then try to connect with other people and etc. I don't really rant very much anymore, but the beginning of this episode, I wanted to do that because... Um, if you are a follower of the show and a subscriber, you'll notice that I haven't posted anything in a while. The last show that I posted was with Lee Abouav, and um, that was some weeks ago. And then before that, it was Dave Metz. And uh, not long after I recorded that podcast with Dave, he passed away. And uh, I wanted to just talk about this for a bit at the beginning of the podcast, if you guys would indulge me. Um I was grateful to have recorded that podcast with Dave. You know, we talked about a lot of different stuff. He was hilarious as usual. We goofed around, uh, talked a little bit about his wife and kid, who he loved very much, and uh, generally just kind of shot the shit for a while and talked with each other. And uh, not long after that, Dave uh, passed away, and leaving behind, of course, his wife, Mary, and uh, his daughter, and uh, Sophie, and I just couldn't, it hit me in the worst way, Um, Dave and I were, you know, we're not best buddies, but I had known Dave for really about a, over a decade, about a decade, I think, met him at the Plymouth Coffee Bean in Plymouth, Michigan, and uh, then went to his funeral about 500 feet from there at the Schrader Funeral Home, just around, literally around the corner from the Coffee Bean. It was uh, a totally surreal experience um, to head back to the hometown uh, where you saw your buddy who, you know, pushed you to do stand-up, pulled you into doing stand-up. You pushed him, you pulled him, talked with him for years, would message each other sometimes when he was living in New York or LA. He did stand up in China. I did stand up in France. You know, in many ways we kind of had this, uh, we were just buddies and I I helped him move into more than one apartment, stayed with him uh, more than one time when I came out to Chicago and um, really uh, just had a hell of a time saying goodbye to the guy. Uh, still not really totally done that, and it, it made me really reflect, I think, on a lot of things. I'm not totally done reflecting, but, you know, time is limited, and I think that if you have somebody around you who you appreciate or who you, 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 you know, you, you have, you don't have to be best friends, you know, I don't, did I love Dave? I mean, he was a great guy, for sure. <laughs> I certainly didn't love him in the way that his wife loved him uh, and still loves him. I, 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 he just, it was just a special place in my, you know, in my, in my, in my life and in my social circle. And, uh, 
just really had a uh, a rough time um, seeing uh, you know seeing all of his family and all of his friends. We had many mutual friends outside the world of comedy. So I just want to start the show out by talking about it a little bit. Uh, you know, Dave um, Dave pushed me a lot because I had lived in Colorado, went over to France, was doing comedy. He had done comedy in China. And every opportunity, he was always pushing me to be like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you, what's the next thing you're going to do? And um, I was kind of scared, I think, to come out to Chicago and really start devoting my life to doing stand-up, uh, which is weird because I had done stand-up way before Dave started. I started at 16. Dave started some years later. Um, and uh, we both used to frequent the same club in Detroit, which was Joey's Comedy Club that my uncle Joe Belaska had started uh, like 30 years ago. And um, we had different style. I mean, we're not the same type of comedian at all. I mean, we didn't even run in the same circles in comedy, but he was a guy who I always enjoyed. Every time he got up, I was just so excited to see what he was going to do. And, um, you know, Tyler Snodgrass, who's a comedian here in Chicago, said something very poignant at Dave's um, memorial, which is he was like, it's people who are in the business of entertainment sometimes have the privilege of being friends with people they're also fans of. And that thought had never really occurred to me before, but I I definitely was a fan of Dave. And I not only was a fan of Dave... I wanted to tell jokes that he would have liked. I wanted to write material that he would have thought was funny and approved of. And I mean, he wouldn't have, I wasn't aiming only to get his approval, but I was aiming to write jokes that were funny and that ultimately he was like, oh, that's a good joke or or, or something. I mean, we used to go to Mike's all the time and I would throw out bits and all kinds of stuff in front of him. I mean, when I first moved to Chicago, none of my shit worked. We went over to Mike to Mike to Mike and drove around, and all my material just bombed and was terrible because it was all awful, uh, and the comedians in Chicago just don't give a shit about anything you did before here. And um, he, he was constantly with me, grinding out. I stayed on his floor for for like weeks when he lived with Joe McMahon uh, in Chicago, this shitty apartment in Ke- on Kenmore and Belmont right next to the Big and Littles. Um, it was so bad. It was totally like a crack house. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, him and Joe McMahon and I used to sit down and watch Bar Rescue and get drunk. And, and uh, I just fucking, as terrible as my life was at that point in time, really, uh, working at a, not doing enough stand-up, working at the startup. Not I was functionally homeless. I uh, didn't really have a place to stay. Um, I think I paid them $300 to stay there for like six or six weeks or something. I mean, it was a, ridiculous how much time I spent there. I slept on a pallet in their living room, which was a futon that had no, it was like a futon mattress that had no actual futon structure to it. Um, underneath a window, I had no blanket. It was the summertime. And uh, I actually kind of missed that. And the saddest thing about losing a guy like Dave is that there are going to be so many moments that you nostalgically remember. And with most people in your life, there's a bit of you that hopes and believes that those good other moments will happen again in the future. But when you lose someone, especially someone who you specifically have that hope with, it's no longer there. And there will be so many moments in the future that 
I really wish Dave would be around for. And he won't be there. And I, that is just the biggest, I think, tragedy of all. There's this, you know, the, the poem line, gather you rosebuds while you may, keeps coming up in my head lately. And I think it, it really shows me that you need to appreciate the people you have around you while they're there. Appreciate your opportunities while they're there. You know, I there was a lot of time that I lived in Chicago with Dave. I mean, not just living with him, but I mean, him and I were both here. And I could have reached out and talked to him. And I could have messaged him. And I could have asked him how he was doing. And I just thought he'd always kind of be there. And just, you know, we did the podcast. I had been wanting to do that for a while. And I finally was like, look, we got to sit down and do this. And he did it. And if I had missed that by only another couple of weeks, we would have not, never had that recording. I mean, he could have canceled that morning. I could have, anything could have happened. And it it just so happens that I was able to set that time. Man, it is fucking heavy. And there's nothing funny about it. <laughs> Much like the rest of my comedy. Nothing funny about it. I just, if you're listening to this, uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse or a, a dead Dave. I don't want to beat a dead Dave uh, too much. I mean, I, I don't know how much other talking or searching is going to yield when we're, you know, when I'm really trying to find something here. But I do know that uh, the the lesson is is strong, at least this part. Go appreciate the people while you have them. And don't forget to tell them because you're not just telling it for them. You're telling it for yourself that, um, you know, I never obviously told Dave that I like loved him or anything. I think I told him before that I was really glad that we were friends and that, uh, I really appreciated him. I'm pretty sure I said those things to him. And, um, I did, man, if he was not in my life, I would not be in the same situation. I don't know what I would do. I don't know who I would have stayed with in Chicago. I didn't. I wasn't good enough friends with anyone else, and I wouldn't have met a bunch of comics, J. Michael Osborne and 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 Bobby Condon and John Marjaluski and Blake Burkhardt and you know all these guys. Joe McMahon certainly, you know, guys who are going to go on and be famous and and all kinds of things. And uh, would have never met any of those dudes, and. Uh, I don't know where I don't know what would be what the life would be like, you know. I don't know if I would have come out here. I don't know what I would have done, actually, because Dave was my anchor in Chicago, and I could come and see him. Could go do mics with him, you know. If I ever had issues or problems, he was the nicest guy, and that really isn't overblowing anything, you know. It's funny because when sometimes people pass away, uh, they take on this this character in death that. As others talk about them, they become all things to all people. But the truth is that Dave was a t- Dave. Dave could be a real asshole sometimes, and he but he would be the first one to admit it. And he would do shit, and then he would kind of feel bad about it and apologize for it. But he was also one of the nicest guys I know, and letting me stay with him and sleep on his floor and um, 
you know, and 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 get and get time. Just he would give me time, you know, for anything that I kind of needed, and uh, introduce me to anybody I needed introducing to, and uh, never asked for anything in return. And anytime he did ask, it was always like, "Hey, man, do you think you could help me out because of blah blah blah?" And I I tried to as much as I could because he was that kind of guy who you knew it wasn't it was you really were helping him and he really appreciated it well you know man i um i miss you uh dave and uh just get the crowd warmed up you know in the great next show take care everybody uh this is <laughs> this is a really fucking heavy way to get into this next interview <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to go apologize to Skyler because, hey Skyler, the introduction to the interview I did with you is me talking about <laughs> my dead best buddy in comedy in Chicago. <laughs> Thanks so much, Skyler. For <laughs> he doesn't even know that I'm doing this. That's the best part. I'm just gonna post the Skyler. <laughs> interview and all these people are going to listen to it because Skyler's very popular in Chicago but it's going to be preceded by a 10 minute sad monologue about a dead great comic how could you know the best part is that Skyler if I had told Skyler that when I sat down to interview him he would have he probably would have been like nah dude I'm gonna do this some other time lemon oh man well let's let's transition as smoothly as possible after this point Skyler Higley is an absolutely hilarious comedian here in Chicago. He's very funny. He works on the Young Hustle show, among other things. I've been a fan of his since I met him, honestly. Uh, I know I say that about a lot of people, but he's very talented, very funny. He's 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 cerebral in a way that's not condescending. He's meeting you. It almost feels like he's he's talking with you as an equal, but he's assuming you just know everything that he's rolling with. And it doesn't feel like he's talking down to you or trying to impress you. Um, it feels like he's, he's sharing the space with you in his, in his, uh, I wouldn't call it misery, but, uh, discomfort maybe is a place to go with it. And, uh, I, you know, he's becoming popular and, uh, you know, when he takes his glasses off, he doesn't look like a nerd. So I hope he's getting laid, but I hope he doesn't let that get to his head because sincerely, if you start thinking you're cool, you, you might just ruin your whole thing, buddy. Uh, so without any more further ado, uh, here is my interview with Skylar Higley. Um, everybody, I would appreciate it if you said a, a, a little prayer. Peace out to Dave uh, Metz, uh, Dave Gustella, who's a good buddy. And there we go. Once again, ruining the vibe of the room, Brendan Lemon. <laughs> All right, everybody. Skylar Higley. Oh, man. All right, there we go. Skylar Higley. What is up? Here, let me move this. And here. Okay, yeah. what's up? <laughs> it's the weirdest. It's weird, right? It's this little arm that you have to kind of... Yeah. Everybody's like, Dave Metz was in here uh, yesterday, and he just couldn't keep his... <laughs> he, he couldn't just can't. He just moves can't his head around way too much. Um, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling great right now. You're like having a moment, I feel like, in Chicago comedy a little bit. Like... You're uh you're getting you're I feel like you're getting I see you booked in a lot of places and like I think you're getting a lot of due recognition I think 
Um. Yeah. I mean, it feels <laughs> you look really <laughs> uncomfortable with well, that compliment. I'm not. I'm not. Thank you for the compliment. Um. <laughs> I appreciate it. I. I. Well. I feel like with anything, like when you're in it, like you have this very nice apartment, as I had just complimented. No, but thanks, when man. you're in the apartment, it's just like, yeah, this is just my apartment. Sure. So you're just uh, for you, you, it's pedestrian. <laughs> you're just like i'm the same because the f- problem is that people like you differently or discover you differently but you've lived with yourself your whole life exactly so you have you're like no i'm still a motherfucker who shat his pants in like third grade or whatever like yeah not that you did that but my sources indicate that that might have happened no i've uh <laughs> i've i've shat my pants uh older than third grade i don't give a fuck <laughs> i shat my pants as a teenager i was like oh oops you know <laughs> people shit their pants man this happens <laughs> You're just busy and <laughs> uh, do I have time to go to the bathroom? I'm on the go. I'm trying to make a million dollars. Shot my pants yesterday. <laughs> that's part of uh, uh, my. <laughs> that's goals. my big closer. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So comedy's going well, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, yeah. It it's it, it's cool, but um, you know, y- you have your goals that you try to focus on. Sure. So then, uh, what I do as a person is I just. And I don't know if this is good or bad. It's probably bad, but also good in a way. I spend most of my time thinking about that uh, future shit, the stuff that I want, the things that I'm trying to get to. Mm. So I also don't spend a lot of time appreciating what happens now in Chicago comedy. And, you know, the comedy scene's really a nice place to see, just to be around, you know? Uh, Yeah, I haven't been. I've been kind of out of it, I feel like, lately, because I've just been focused on these other projects. As you can see from this big board. Yeah, I saw. But I like, was looking at all the, all yeah, the stuff. Yeah, it's just a whole just bunch. Stealing all your ideas. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch. If you can read my chicken scratch. But uh, anyway, the um, but yeah, I feel like especially now there's like an extra moment where it's like it's weird for me because like not having been here for like three years and some change now, it's strange to see like comedians who arrived with me or maybe slightly after me are like now really getting a ton of shows and like really getting like a lot of and that's kind of cool. I feel like you're on that come up a little bit. Yeah, it's cool to see that, like, where everybody is at. Well, it's also to see, it's cool to see um, where people are at and how people grow. And then you realize, like, the growth part is actually the most important part. Because, like, fuck wherever you were at, maybe when you started or how, whatever you thought about a person when you first came across them. What's been most interesting to me is, like, seeing what people do to change and how they expand in comedy and what their things are that Mm. they make. Yeah. Those are much more significant to whenever than you know, whatever I thought of somebody when I first saw them. And I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, I judge people pretty, pretty fucking quickly. And like in a detailed way where I go, I think I know everything about them immediately and it's (laughs) never right. Who was an example of that? Who did you do that with? I don't. I mean, literally everybody. <laughs> was what's a was a judgment you formed about me very quickly? Uh, a judgment. I I knew that I was like, I think this guy's rich. That was <laughs> like my first thought. And I come to your apartment. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Crushing it. Uh, I mean, I have a day job, I guess, that I do pretty decently at. So yeah, you. I mean, you were always really cool to me from uh, from the start, going back to open mics at big bricks and stuff like that oh that's right yeah well open mic the the lazy philosophers open mic that bill and i put together 
Uh, I loved that, and then Corey Wood kind of came in on it. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was a great. I I really miss it. Actually, it's a nice to have a safe space for men uh, to. <laughs> it's really good to have a safe space for men to <laughs> say whatever they want. Yeah, no, there's no, there were no Me Too moments happening in that open <laughs> mic. There was no one to to Me Too. You know, it was all just all just Y chromosomes. Just Y uh, chromosomes, <laughs> predominantly white Y chromosomes. I mean, that's we really need true. More spaces for that. <laughs> <laughs> We need more safe spaces for white men. <laughs> we used to have Congress, and now... Uh, <laughs> no, it's been taken over. <laughs> we used to have all of all of the government, all of the television industry, and now look what's happened. Oh, man. First we let in the Jews. They took over the media. Colored and you then... and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this to be quoted out of context. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, like, this is nothing that I haven't quipped and joked about in the podcast before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but let, so let's talk about this. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad uh, that that uh, I was nice to you uh, or fucking whatever when you showed up. Uh, <laughs> I think I thought you were a talented guy, but, like, you came from Utah, and uh, you moved here from there, correct? From Salt yes. Lake City or from, what, well, Ogden or something? I was, um, I was going to... Uh, Utah State. So Logan, Utah is about like 80 miles north of Utah. Got so it. I was living in my college town for like the last uh, two years before I had moved here. Got it. So I maybe spent a week in Salt Lake with my family and my parents right before I moved. But then I uh, hit the road out. Were here. you doing comedy in Logan then? And was there like I around the doing, college? I was doing improv. So no, I was not doing comedy. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yeah, they um, there was not really like so much like it would be really hard to get anybody out to uh, shows when uh, in Logan specifically. And I would also because I wanted to be on stage so much. There is uh, in Ogden, there is like this comedy uh, uh, like theater that I would drive to, which was about like a half hour drive that I would drive to every week to do like improv practices and shows. And I love doing it, but I really, really want to do stand. I mean, once a week though, you know? Yeah. That's uh, like, yeah. It's unbelievable. There, It's funny because I haven't been out to Salt Lake city just once. I was uh, surprised at how uh, unfunny it was. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that was my other thing is because they have I, no sense of humor. I didn't start in Salt Lake because I went to, it was like one open mic at uh, the only comedy club there. And I saw like the open mic comedy and it was literally, that was, you talk about a safe space for men. That's what, we, <laughs> like it was just white guy going like, I hate myself. I want to kill myself. It was all, it wasn't just <laughs> people like applaud and he gets yeah, upstate. Yeah. Exactly. Preach brother. It was just so, it was really, really sad. Like imagining the worst open mic that I've been to here. It was just that. And uh, I went to a couple more and I was like, nope, it's all just the same. It's either I hate myself, I want to kill myself, uh, really crappy jokes from people who are like <laughs> Mormons and uh, people who hate the Mormon church. So it's like I hate myself, I hate the church, or I love the church. And those are the three you get. It's so awful, man, because it, it was the most bizarre place I've, I've almost ever been to uh, because everything is measured in the distance from the church. And that's true of like every town, I guess. Oh, in, yeah. In, in, in Utah. Every Mormon town is, there's the temples at the center. Yeah. And then everything is measured from it. And um, 
I don't know how you. It, that just was so f- weird to me. Yeah. And it, that alone, and I and everybody I talked to in the whole town from beginning to end, I was like, this is is this for real? And people were like, oh yeah, no, that's like. And I was like, isn't that bizarre? And people were like, well, it's you know, I, it's what they do. And I, there was just no sense of humor about it. Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly I find weird, but it's because the Mormons started the state, and when you start the state, you get to do whatever you want with it, such as everything sure. is measured from the distance to the temple. I mean, like just all these fucking weird laws, like you can't, um, you can't dance in a bar. That's illegal. You cannot actually be. Yeah, you can't. You can't be ser- seen, um, pouring or making alcohol. Like you can't like making a drink. Like you can't be seen making a drink. You can't be seen like if 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 there is any within sight of a minor, you can't be. So like if you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, there's all these taps, but they don't actually serve alcohol. They have to go behind. Yeah. In the service area they where have no to one do can it see. Like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's so weird. And like so, there's no you can't have like liquor ads anywhere, and you can't have like it's so bizarre. It makes no sense to me. Like the whole. Like what? Like we're just supposed to pretend that alcohol doesn't exist for children? Which is why when I started drinking in college, I ended up just drinking like an alcoholic because (laughs) I had no semblance of what types of any drinks were or how they worked. So it was just like, yeah, I guess I'll just have a gallon full of fireball, I guess. Oh I don't know God, how dude. this works. It's amazing you're like, still still here. Yeah, it was it was weird. I mean and, and you grew up there your whole life basically. Yeah. It, yep. Okay. And you were you were adopted, correct? Correct. Okay, got it. So at it's interesting it's a part of your comedy, but it, you and I have never talked about this. I've been curious like what that experience was like, and I obviously have nothing compared to, I suppose, because it's just what you've experienced growing up. But like, I was curious how that informed. Like, at what point you were like, "Oh, I'm, I'm adopted," or did you? How young were you? Were you were? Do you you have no memory of like of any of that? Yeah, no, because I was adopted about like it was either three weeks or three months old, but either way, doesn't you know, no sure. memory of it. Yeah. But like, it's a weird thing to go like. This is my experience, and as a kid, everything, for every kid, everything that's happening around you is just normal, and then, like, you know, I started getting, like, different, like, feedback from people that are, like, oh, you're, oh, wow, you're adopted, and then I'm just, like, what, and then people, you know, are, like, do you miss your real family, and I'm, like, what? What, what real family <laughs> are you yeah, talking exactly. about? What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, but I remember that's, like, a, that's, like, some rich kid being, like, do you miss the money you <laughs> don't have? <laughs> you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's just your context. Um, <laughs> I remember on my sixth <laughs> birthday. Jesus Christ! No, I got that question a lot, dude. Kids are so I got that, fucking dumb. <laughs> I got that question so. I just much. hope. I hope at some point you just started kicking <laughs> these idiots in the balls. No, it was it was one of those where I was just like, I didn't even know how to like respond to because I'm like, no, I mean I don't like have like an idea of that like i don't know yeah. them i have this is my real family yeah like they're <laughs> white people but like <laughs> white people <laughs> it's weird <laughs> no but once um i think it was my fifth birthday i think the first like real moment uh where it was like i'm adopted was that uh my uh my biological father called and he didn't know up until that point that I was even alive. And then he found out that year. Wow. And yeah, thinking about that, like I, you know, remember that then, but thinking about that in context as an adult, like now, yeah, like that would be an insane thing to be like, Hey, you have a five-year-old son. Uh, 
and he was adopted and you never knew about this. What? And then he got in contact and he like like cried on the phone and I was like, Oh, who's this? Like I had no <laughs> You're idea. like five, you have no clue. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> that poor man and <laughs> I know. <laughs> what? Do you have any contact with him like like currently or Yeah, I mean we still uh we still talk. We don't um talk that much and that's mostly because i'm bad at calling and stuff got but it we've had uh, a relationship for basically since then just like i mean i call him you know we call on holidays and sure uh, we spend he has for the last two years has come out to chicago for the fourth of july so i've spent time with him and oh stuff. that's pretty cool yeah it's cool to hang come out and see your show at all yeah he did um so the first show that uh, i produced with nick one one year um oh shit that was uh yeah, I was the, called, the annoyance, right? Yeah, I was at the annoyance. Was I was on it. Boys. I think. Yeah, you yeah. were there. Yeah, we had you on it. I remember that. Sick we boys, did. We booked right. you on it. Um, it wasn't the show. That's you That's back were when on. you guys thought that I was funny. <laughs> You're like Lemons, Lemons, he's a pillar of Chicago comedy. Lemon, Lemons, the, <laughs> Lemons, the number one. He's like, man, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So you know, you were on it, but one one show, I think it was the, maybe the week. I think it was the week before. Before or after you were on it, because I remember it was close to the time I had seen you. Um, my dad, I hadn't seen him for three years before that, and he like surprised me there, and he just like showed up, and I was like, "Oh, what the fuck? My dad is here," which was uh, incredibly stressful. Oh wait, I I might have been at that show. I think I might have recorded that show. You did record that show. Yeah, I, I did. That's right, that. because I remember you j- saying that, and I thought that was a joke. No, I was like Skyler's dad is not here, and because I think you also like pointed at the crowd, yeah, and I was like that guy's not white. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, my god, that was that was. Ah, uh, that's I feel embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's not white. <laughs> Goofing around. I think I literally was like, oh, Skyler's just being funny. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like a joke that you would make, but then you look at the man and he looks exactly like me. That's so, so funny. I don't think I ever actually really looked at him. I thought you were just joking, and then I recorded the thing and was like, all right, see you later, and then like left. Yeah, no, that was definitely like. Man, fuck moment. me. <laughs> no, dude, that was that's cool. I mean, why would you not think I was joking about that? I I guess that's true. I guess that yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was insane. But that's basically our relationship is like talking like sometimes. I don't know. I'm not the best like family person. I mean, you yeah. What comedian is? <laughs> yeah. Um. Do your what about your adoptive parents? They they come out and see your shows. Have they seen you uh, in Chicago? No, my mom, I send her clips, but my mom hasn't seen uh, any shows. I think she's come out to Chicago. I don't think she's seen me do it live. And I've never done anything uh, stand-up wise in Salt Lake when I go back. Got it. I mean, why would you, right? Yeah, I mean, there's. I've tried to get on shows, and then it's just like. Do you go back for the holidays? Or you go yeah, back for Christmas? I go back. I went back for Thanksgiving, um, and I was there for a week, and there was just nothing going on while I was there. <laughs> I mean, it's Salt Lake City. That's part of the reason I almost. I was offered a really good job there, like a job that would have like a life-changingly good job, and 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 during a time in my life when it was uh, really bad, like I, uh, it was terrible, and I really could have used it. And I didn't take it because I was like, this, I just, <laughs> Salt Lake, I, Salt Lake is so awful. I can't do this. <laughs> I literally, Skylar, like, that's what <laughs> I was like. I can't, I can never, I would never do comedy here. Yeah. Like, and I couldn't do it. So I decided to remain semi-homeless and completely destitute for another, like, six months. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Instead of taking that job. <laughs> still would have been, I mean, that's probably better because you would have been homeless, like, culturally. Oh, you know? yeah. It would have been bad. 
There would have been trying been. to hang out with dumb Mormon girls named Honor, spelled like A U N A U R. See, you know the whole. How long were you there when you visited? Two days. Oh two wow, t- which is like eighteen hours too long. No, yeah, you got it. That's why um I started going a little bit crazy when I was there over Thanksgiving. Thank God I did mushrooms and stuff. That's wonderful. Uh, well, so okay, so your parents are they Mormon? They're not Mormon. Uh, You've talked about this, I think. N- yeah, so they were for like two. I actually, my dad still might be. I don't talk to him, so I don't know. He might be. My mom is a Buddhist now, uh, and it was a big deal when I stopped being Mormon and she was Mormon, and she was like kind of upset about it. Yeah, I remember. And then like two years later, she was like, "You know what?" There's a lot of this stuff that doesn't make sense, and I don't know if I believe. And I was like, "Why would you? Why were you so mad? Like just barely." I mean, that's just mom. I feel like that's mom's. You know no, what I mean? it's, it was my it's poor mother. Nice. I came. This is, I came out to my mother as an atheist, and she was like really worked up, and she was like, "I don't. I think it would have been easier <laughs> if you just were had told me you were gay instead." <laughs> I know. I was like, uh, "I'm not gay." <laughs> I'd rather you go to hell for that reason yeah. <laughs> with someone else to love you. <laughs> oh. oh, I might have to take that, Skylar. That is you can have that it. is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. So so what is so here's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Part of the reason I wanted to have you on the pod was like growing up with basically in a it, with white parents uh, being black in Utah. It's like one of the most specific, like, if, like you could get a sitcom so easily if you just wrote from your probably childhood experience. Like what, what was that like? And I know that that's a broad question, but I find that so fascinating. Yeah. Because it, like, and I, I, let me con- contextualize it slightly with this, because I grew up in Metro Detroit in a, a very diverse community, like with lots and lots of different types of people. I mean, like black people, white people, brown people. Uh, Middle Eastern people, Chaldeans, uh, tons of Germans from Europe, which was interesting because Bosch had a big plant there and there was a ton of them. Um, tons of Asians, like South Asians, like lots and lots of, like Yazaki, all these like Ison systems, all these like motor city, Damn. you know, suppliers were all in this community. And like, so within like a couple miles of my home, there was a Mormon temple, there was a uh, a Jewish temple, there was two mosques, there was a Hindu temple, a Sikh temple, Jesus. Catholic church, Pro- Protestant churches, yeah, just all these wow. denominations. And um, diversity council in my high school was a really big deal, like, because there was just so many different types of people and so many different ethnic groups. That's why you can hang. Yeah, I think I a little bit. And so it's just strange to me because, like, people, I, I didn't, it wasn't until I became an adult adult like like into my like like later 20s that I was like oh shit I had a really different experience growing up than other people and it was weird because it wasn't until I moved to Boulder Colorado where I would say some like I'd make a joke or say some shit and people would be like dude that's actually kind of like racist and I'd be like really cuz back home everybody <laughs> thinks that's funny yeah like what I just said like it's it's just it was very weird that like I didn't I didn't understand that there was a different experience cuz it was such a sort of unique and specific one so just similarly, I can imagine that that is sort of true of your experience growing up. Yeah, well, that's I that's a big part of it. You touched on like where it. I didn't. It's even. It wasn't until I was like twenty and like when I started, e- even till I moved to Chicago, really. Yeah. Where I started understanding the context of like, oh, where I'm from is so white. I mean, you can say <laughs> what you want about the north side of Chicago being completely segregated, but like literally like the you could have when i left 
Salt Lake, you could see the percentage marker on the black population change. change and go down a little bit. Like it was, it, and it's um, it's weird just being not only in a homogenized culture racially, but also like religiously too. So oh, everyone yeah. has the same value set. And the Mormon church is not just one of these religions where it's like kind of broadly like I feel like I think of Protestant as like people are like Protestant, but kind of casually about it. No, it's like people are seriously Mormon. Yeah. yeah. And it's most of the Mormons. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. And there, I mean, especially in Utah, it's like there's no other. I mean, I can't imagine. I'm sure there's other churches there, but it's just there's they represent just a small minority of yeah. you know the population. And it's different even more so now than when I was a kid. But like with um, it, that I like level of like just sameness mm. everywhere made me really uh, feel I always felt that like I was like uh, kind of off and a little bit of like outsider of yeah. the groups. But then I also felt like I didn't fully understand what it was was to be black other than you are other than like the rest of the people that are around because like you at at some point i kind of started to want to like fit into that token black guy role of like i'm the black friend because you could because you could easily easily grab that identity oh yeah because that was just really available yeah that's so interesting yeah and but then that's also um another like version of like trying to be a version of yourself for other people Mm. and that uh was something i held on to for a long time until i realized that like oh part that's partly me trying to like conform to whatever a society standard is of who i should be Mm. and uh then discovering that i'm like oh that's just another version of white supremacy whereas like i don't know if you've heard me do this bit uh and it's a bit that i guess makes some audiences slightly uncomfortable but um i talk about how my adoption itself was like a function of white supremacy right because like and white supremacy in the broad sense because my not not in the david duke sense yeah not in the (laughs) david duke sense in the broad white supersedes black sure. cult, or uh, socioeconomically because my mom and she expressed this explicitly growing up and I don't think she really knew what she was saying but she had this feeling of like oh like I saved you you know there's that like savior huh. complex huh. going okay. on yeah so and and then that intersecting with like the disadvantage of like being a, a black mom that that can't doesn't have the money to raise a kid but still has like is pregnant and not knowing what to do like and has no government support or no broadly community support or exactly or the social position in which those things wouldn't even be questions yeah yeah so that's i mean like it's just weird to think like oh so like even my childhood like like my me growing up and existing as i am is in some ways a function of all like of that white supremacy and the intersection of that's what, so that's so fucking weird. Yeah, I never thought about that. I just thought about it like late last year, early this year, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, that's a deep thought, man. Yeah, it was weird. That's so that's so strange to have to like to think about a lot of. I mean, that's hmm. I mean, I guess it's strange because we are kind of are all we're all results of these kind of broad social functions and powers and things yeah 
Like, but that's such a specific one that yeah. is so. It's a specific binary. Yeah. To cross over, I mm, guess. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's so weird, man. How does that? I mean, it's good that you only realize that. I hate to say it's good that you only realize that in the last couple of years. But if I had any, like, if that, if we had switch roles and that had been me, and I had realized something like that in high school, I don't know how it would have affected my life. Yeah. Well, it's and that's like a that yeah that's one of those things where it's like I have because now you have a you can talk about shit like that and you have an outlet for it you have a pretty good sense I think I think you have a more than uh, um even other part of the reason I think I've always liked you is that I feel like you're very fun and you have a very specific point of view and you have a sense of self that comes from it that 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 informs it pardon me not comes from it but that informs that point of view and I think that that's so interesting to have a revelation like that because now you have an outlet and a sense of self. But if that had happened before you had any yeah. kind of sense of self, I don't, I don't know how that would have. No. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that, and that's the, that's, I feel like the sense of self, at least for me is a very important thing because like this is, these are things that develop over time. And then we have our definitions that are laid on to us and you realize you're not those definitions, but you also are kind of at the same time, paradoxically, whatever. Yeah. Like, but that's why like things like junior high and high school was a doozy for me. Cause not only that, but my adopted parents also got divorced because, uh, like just of a terrible, terrible relationship and dude, all that. Like, so that that's as like, well, that's just madness, like, dude, just on top what of else all that can, too. What else can happen? Could, did you get drafted? Like <laughs> right. what else no. can fucking happen to you, Skylar? <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, because of those things and those, um, the way that your, I guess, like perception gets shattered. Let's say, yeah, those are what leads to like, oh, this is who I actually am. This you have, is you what. have to work through that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and so not to it, not necessarily all about race, but high school definitely was a doozy in that sense. Like, yeah, oh, that would be, yeah, wow, man. That how old were you when that happened? Uh, when my parents got divorced, yeah, it was they got divorced when I was like nine. So we went from like, oh shit, so wow. it was like. Right when I was like, as a kid, like I'm st- about to start going into like you know getting older, going into junior high and teen years and stuff. Yeah. And then that happened, and then like there was like junior high, which was a fucking wreck for me. And then high school was like m- my thing, starting to feel about race in certain senses, where because my mom uh had to like put herself through nursing school. Because she did that Mormon thing of like, oh, I'm in love. I'm not gonna finish college. I'm just gonna get married and have this. Dude, man I had me. so many friends. Uh, mo- not so many Mormon friends, but the more of the Mormon friends I had, so many of of them that were female, so many of them did that. Yeah, and, and that's like, a bad move. Just for that fucking reason. dropped out of like mm-hmm. they would go to they would go to college, and many of them went to to BYU, and they sophomore year got married dropped out yeah and like i just it's so weird i think it's different now i think like they're still getting married at that that age but they're not dropping out which mm. is like cool yeah and uh but it's my re- mom real progressive in <laughs> I know. the mormon world way to stay in school no but my mom like, it's like them in saudi out. arabia are just neck and neck, <laughs> neck, and neck. They, well <laughs> i mean now thank god for the internet but up until like 1990 Salt oh, yeah, Lake was you, 1950 that's so funny <laughs> No, but they um but we were always like much more like poor than everybody I went to high school with. And that's when I started to get like that feeling that you get of like these fucking white people cuz they were like <laughs> so much more rich than my family. And then it was just like me and my mom and my brothers like all living in this two bedroom apartment for yeah. all of high school and I was like and uh and that's where it kind of like 
started for me and where I started like breaking down certain stuff. And that's when I really started getting into comedy, which is when I started like that's just when I started like actually learning about mm. shit and myself. Well, who were your first when so at that age, who were your comedy influences? Uh, I think my first, I think, really big comedy influence like at the right time uh was Hannibal Burris in like high school and uh-huh. stuff cuz I was like what 2012 when he first started really uh yeah, yeah. coming out oh, so 6 yeah. years ago jesus okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that, was, that was high school for yeah me. that's right that was the pickle thing became kind of famous about that ish year yeah that's right i was living in colorado yeah okay yeah so that was and you were in high school fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm young. People keep bringing it up, and I keep forgetting. And then I go like, "No." How old are you? I'm 22. Okay, but I don't think that's that's not that young anymore. No, yeah, I think also you're very uh, mature. I think that you have there's a part of you that feels young to me in the sense that I think that it's still kind of vulnerable. Does that make any sense? And I don't mean that in a weird like it. Maybe that's a strange word to use, but there's a part of me that's like, "Oh, Skylar could could still get hurt by something." Like, uh, okay, I like feel if so, like if something happened to you, like if some shit happened in your life, it would hurt you because I feel like you have like a you still have a which I think is actually good and I I don't want I don't I don't say that as a bad thing or as a I hope you lose that I hope I hope you don't lose that I think that's part of what makes your comedy so interesting to me to watch is that it's that it it comes from a place where you're you're still like like the like you're not cynical or you're not like ah oh, fucking I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gristle. not cynical. Like I feel like no, 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 no. You're not in a okay. way that that I'm cynical. Like I have a, I feel like sometimes I have like a gristled, like fucking. I've seen some shit. You know, oh, I've been, I've been yeah. to a place or two, and things have not. Let me tell you, things don't work out always work out or something like this. Oh yeah, I understand. What like you there's mean. a part of my life that has informed that point of view, and you don't have that. And like I feel like you could fall in love with a girl, and then she could fucking break your heart, and you would actually it would fuck your life up for like eight months. Or oh, something. that! But I already did that. I already yeah, but it could happen again. But it could happen. But it could happen again. I, you know what? I see what you're saying, but as far as like literally a girl like breaking my heart, I don't feel that. Well, I'm, I just I mean it doesn't have to be that specific example. Okay. But like I'm just no, saying like that part of you is young, but there's a part of you that I feel like is very much like. I got a like I said point of view perspective. You got yeah. you're pretty grounded, like more or less. Like I wouldn't like I let me put it this way. I, there's definitely people in the comedy scene who are older than you that if I heard, man, did you hear this? You know, he went on a fucking bender for like weeks and they woke they they found him in New Orleans and like it was crazy. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. If fine. I heard that about you, I'd be like, like what the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah. Like real? What? Like I I that would not be something that would occur to me for you. Yeah, I feel pretty. Um, I feel pretty grounded and i feel like i've had like maybe whatever a good amount of pain in my life but not so much that it's like oh fuck how could you recover from that it's just uh, uh a level of like that would lead to an interesting person i think yeah and it's I think just so. the sweet spot that's all i want um we i hate to do this but we're wrapping up on time here in a little bit well I, i'd like to have you back because i knew this conversation would probably end up going a whole bunch of places but um we uh we should probably probably have you back like after the holidays or something. Yeah, man, which I'm I think down would be to a lot come back. I'd love chilling and um, talking. What uh let everybody know where can where can they get at you? Um, as far as uh, social media, I'm Skyler underscore Higley on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, S K Y L E R underscore H I G L E Y. Uh, 
You can check me out on the Young Hustle show uh, last Friday of the month at the Laugh Factory. Is it? It's also in this. I'll probably release this uh, around Christmas. So this is uh, that's going to be that Friday. That Friday, the twenty eighth. No, this one. Well, th- we're third Fridays of the month starting or this year, but next year we're last Friday. Ah, I got it. Okay. So, uh, this will be out after the show, but yep. like for January, we're last Friday of January. Okay, cool. Which I think is the uh twenty. Nah, whatever. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> put it in. I'll just post it. Yeah. All right, cool, dude. Thanks for joining for yeah, a little dude, bit. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Take it easy. Yeah. <laughs>